to free beers and a movie. Nice. Hello and welcome to episode 72 of Free Beers and a Movie. I'm Richard Laird and I'm with... Barry Neal. And where are we, Barry? <laughs> where are we always? In the <laughs> Raven. We are in the Raven. Very quiet even this Yes, it was a bit of a lonely hearts club until just one minute ago when another two people turned up. Yeah, so, so now we don't feel quite as, as lonely sitting around yes. here. But maybe we'll pick <laughs> the football's on later on tonight, maybe that will pick the, the business Ooh. up and we always like to see a, a busy raven. Yes. It's yes. always nice when it's busy. Um, what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking Cold Town Beer. It's a favourite in here. It is. It's light. It's nice and light. As so. we've discussed before, it's basically sort of, it's a tenant's esque. Yeah. It's, nice. it's a posh man's tenant. It's a posh man's tenant, but it definitely does a job. Yeah. Um, I am on, well, I'm on a leaking Brooklyn Lager, but for some reason it's, it's all foamed up on me. Um, but I was on before that, First World Problems from Stuart Brewing. Which is, is a lovely. good staple of yours. Oh, I love First World Problems. Um, always annoyed it only comes in cans, it doesn't come in the, in the full um, pints, but... I will love if the can just now as it is. Very happy I walked in here today and they had Blue Moon on tap. Oh, and oh. I love a bit of Blue Moon. Yes. All excited to have it and they're like, oh no, it's not working, it's now not under the delivery end. So we were heartbroken when I first seen the, the bar. Next week. Next week I'll be on the Blue Moon, but apparently now they're going to have it on tap all the time. Now. Oh, so, fantastic. So that'll be the, the, the new goal too, I think. Yeah, absolutely, I do Blue love a Blue Moon myself. Blue Moon, always nice. End with an orange in it is always lovely. Yes. Um, but we can dive straight into the with a lot of cinema cover this week. Yeah, it's a big week this week. Big week. Someone's been had time off. Um, and all, but well, first we'll start with the usual, the, the non-cinema viewing. I've not seen anything at home because I've only been to the cinema. Yes. You have watched a couple of things at home? What yes. Have you watched at home of interest? Uh, first of all, did you finish The Office? Yeah, oh, sorry. I wasn't actually going to bring it up this week because last week there was a large chunk dedicated yeah, yeah. to it. Yes, we did finish it. Happy with the ending? Yes. For some reason, the American TV's channels or networks or whatever, they seem to round off shows really well if they don't get cancelled like yes, mid-seasons. Yeah. See if there's like going to be an end point. They seem to finish it off like almost so sweetly. So like give writers a chance to write an ending. Don't yeah. force them into it, and you can get a natural ending. Yeah, yeah. I. It was really. It was a nice ending. You happy with it then? Yeah, I think either the last couple episodes or just the last episode was a extended one. It wasn't right. the twenty-two minutes. It was. I think it was almost like 40 minutes. Does Carell come back for the last couple? He does make a small appearance um, at a wedding. I'm not right. going to say whose wedding. I, I think we can guess whose wedding it'll be. No. No, it's not no, who we think it is. It's, no. not, it's definitely not who we think it is. Well, maybe. We'll talk off here. Talk off here, right? Just in case. I've just, it's dawned on me that the two main characters actually get married very early on in the right, series. Okay. Fair um, yeah, that's it. I was actually very surprised. Like, I thought he was going to come back. It a large chunk of the ninth season, but it doesn't. Know, okay, know. It's only really maybe the last couple of episodes. Cameo to see, like, remember I done this type thing? I think so. Um, but, but a good ending, happy with it. Yes. Worth a watch again? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think it, it, it's on the same milk as Parks and Recreation. You yeah. can just stick it on. Agreed. In fact, actually, you know what? It's probably in the same milk as Friends. You can just stick it on and. You can pick up a random episode anywhere and it still works. You don't have to watch it as a, as a one. Yeah, I get the same. Yeah, as, lo- as long as you've maybe seen it before and you, you understand the relationship with certain right. characters, because yeah. there is some random episodes that are a bit kind of like nothing that goes on with it. But outside of that, there's a lot of episodes where there's kind of funny things going on. Especially like the kind of early days of like when Jim was just harassing yeah. Ed White right, yeah. all the time. You know, there's a certain classic. level of comfort that comes from that. Like I'm this, like I'm the same. There's a lot of TV shows that I put on. Like used to, I don't do it as much now. Um, but when I was living at home, or um, Jill wasn't staying with me, obviously. Yes. I'd put on before podcast became a thing. Yes. I'd put on a TV show that I'd seen a thousand times before, and mm. it felt like it was a comforting thing to fall asleep to. So that yeah. would be something like say. 
and for me it was like something like Seinfeld mm. or The Simpsons or Futurama yeah, yeah. or you know something along that, something of that ilk that you felt like you didn't need to stay awake for the whole episode you were quite happy because you fall asleep halfway through it you still know the jokes anyway and you'll, you can just watch the next episode the next day mm. there's no need to sort of pick it up all the time it's, there is a comfort to that yeah. and you think often falls into that kind of, uh, yeah absolutely uh, absolutely right, this, I, will, I have watched part of it I will try and get to it eventually at some point yeah Hopefully it stays on Amazon for, for long again, enough. For long enough. Well, me, me and Joe always we, we always look for like a, one of those kind of twenty-five minute shows because you're always looking for something that you can watch. Well, we're having dinner. We're having dinner, or even yeah. you you want to go to bed at half ten. It's ten o five. You want to watch something before you go to your bed. You don't want to have to watch, commit to an hour long TV show. Yeah, and also the good thing is a lot of the episodes, like we said, they are, they are very self-contained, so you can just get away with watching maybe one, Aye. maybe two, if you're pushing it and then do something else mm. they don't bog you down and tie you into like binge watching right. so wait, before we get tied down in that an office <laughs> uh, last week yes. now, going on from the office which interestingly John Krasinski went yes. from the office and is now doing this uh, Jack Ryan Jack Ryan on, on Amazon on Amazon, Amazon yeah. exclusive yep. um, based on the Tom Clancy character which you apparently were not aware of until I mentioned it to you about off camera yes yes. Um, so Tom Clancy is a, is a, is a writer who does like, sort of like military fiction yes I've, I've Read, stroke, listened to a lot of his other books, right? Uh, but for some reason, this character just seems to have escaped me by for Which some is really reason. really odd. This is like sort of his magnum opus, the character yeah, yeah. that made him the money. This is, this is made Tom Clancy, Tom Clancy, you mm-hmm. know, it, it's all this stuff. So he wrote stuff like Patriot Games, Including Present Danger, Some of All Fears. That's the sort of movies that are based on it. Um, but also, he's like, you get multiple other novels. He's like a giant nature of the early 80s, I think it was. He came out, yeah. yeah. Kind of thing. So, What's the premise of the show? It's set in the early days, isn't it? You sort of just start out as an analyst in the CIA. Yes. You kind of get a vibe that he's, even early on before he's really doing anything, you get a kind of vibe from him that something's happened in his past. Right. right. And he is trained in arms or tactics to some degree. He seems to... He's not just a pencil pusher. Aye. Right, okay. He seems to know, but for some reason he's almost playing an undercover pencil pusher. Aye. So, who knows? Uh, so, premise is an up-and-coming CIA analyst, Jack Ryan, is thrust into dangerous field assignment as he undercovers, uncovers a pattern in terrorist communication that launches him into the centre of a dangerous uh, gambit. So, John Krasinski plays Jack Ryan. Yes. Is he a good Jack Ryan? Oh, phenomenal. Because he comes across, he plays the character really well because you do think he's just an office body until he gets taken out of that office uh, situation in the CIA and dropped into like the middle of Yemen and then you're like huh. uh, he's an actor who I think I've really liked over the last couple of years he sort of mm. he, has, he does that thing that Tom Hanks can do sometimes with it all the time which is like he, he does a very good everyman yes like he, he obviously he's a very handsome man but he does feel like he seems like a normal guy he doesn't really seem like he's anything special, special. Yeah, yeah. but then every now and again you'll see him in something like for example that death and my daggy and you go like, holy fuck yeah, yeah. he's an absolute badass yeah, he, can, yeah. he can kick ass then he goes to something like the quiet place mm. and you go oh you know what he is actually he is just a normal guy in extraordinary circumstances and I think that's more what he's channeling in this yep the kind of ordinary guy who is learning to be more extra, extraordinary mm-hmm. yeah oh um, absolutely so how many episodes it is eight about an hour long each roughly yeah yeah. they all come in round about anywhere between 50 to 60 minutes they can bounce around a bit bit, Um, so you watched it all in one day you said yes well over two days sorry over two days you could watch it in a day Stacey watched it all in a day so it can be done uh, because the story is gripping enough but not in the way of 24 where 
not much happens in an episode, then all of a sudden, in the last 10 minutes, something right. amazing happens, and you're totally hooked for the next one. This is it's a good overall story that keeps you kind of hooked and wanting the story to develop and see where it goes. Because um, halfway, halfway through this, uh, the episode, uh, first season, him and uh, Jack Ryan and also Wendell Pierce, who's played by James Gear. Um, they start chasing down a girl, eh, sorry, a woman and her daughters, right? Because they are trying to get out of Yemen and right, they're okay. in Turkey getting like smuggled eh, through this like uh, smuggling ring. So right. they're trying to track them down. So it's like a good way of, well, are they going to get there? Are right. they not going to get there? What's going to happen? Because in that kind of part of the world, it, eh, the CIA doesn't have a lot of like clout so unfortunately money talks and they end up like bribing like kind of sex traffickers yeah, yeah, and like, yeah. rapists and all that kind of stuff that kind of rubs Jack the wrong way as well so it's it's good Does, yeah. I always feel sometimes with these shows that are like sort of dumped onto platforms like Amazon Netflix Hulu that if they dump say 20 episodes or 8 they build up the whole lot in one go yeah. there tends to be a sense that the episodic nature of them is lost they expect you to watch them all as one long film does yeah. it feel or do you think you could watch individual episodes in, if this was shown released week to week would the episode work individually you think as well Um. yeah you know what yeah you think it's, every episode's got its own little arc within it yes yeah. uh, there's enough going on there to keep you coming back week in week out every episode's got its own beginning middle and end but there's like an overall arc that runs through the yes. entire episodes that's good because I feel like some shows I've watched recently hmm. I would say for example that pointing of House or yes. House yeah, yeah. There's a sense, and I'm enjoying it mostly, but I feel that there's a sense that this only works if I'm watching it all in one go. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't really work as well if I was to watch this week to week. I feel my interest would lack in it. Aye. Okay. Yeah, all the Marvel stuff, the other one, well, much the same as well. Prime example, uh, a good few episodes ago, I started watching The Purge. Now it's a weekly drop on right. Amazon. I watch, when I got to it, there was already maybe three or four episodes. I watched all of them in a kind of binge watch style. Uh huh. And because it's weekly, I haven't went back to it yet. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just, I've kind of just lost interest. But that could be the show as well, because at the time I said there you wasn't were, a you lot going on. Yeah, yeah. You often wonder, like, because there's a few shows on Netflix that drop, eh, not Netflix, Amazon, so that drop a lot, a bit like that, and the Man in the High Castle, for example, mm-hmm. the same. Mm-hmm. And it drops week to week, and then you can watch the full lot at the end of it, and it just stays on there forever. I'm going, like, so who's watching that? Week, with, 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 with there being so much content out there, why not just say, right, you know what, I'll just ignore that for the next nine weeks yep I'll watch something else I mean that's fine in nine weeks that'll be all there and I can sit and watch it yeah you know it's you know it feels like you know why not just dump it all one go Where, what's the benefit to them in just doing it week to week I don't understand why they would do that apart from maybe spi- the only thing I can think of is it kind of spikes the ratings every uh, Wednesday or whatever whatever uh, day the possibly, yeah. High Castle comes out they know when they drop it they're going to get a spike and then it tapers off again because yeah. it's almost like if they do the weekly ones, yeah. um, this is just yeah. out mass. This is what I think that yeah, okay. I would do. Is if you're dropping it weekly, yeah. like High Castle, which is such a big show, yeah. you're potentially going to get them to stay and maybe watch something else. Possibly, yeah, that's absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. So you might get them. You know, you're going to get them for the hour show, but you might get them for like a two-hour film after it. Sure. You know, I mean, something like that. You well, know? See, I've, I've, I've kind of thought of two reasons why okay. they might do it. And one of them is because if you're watching, say, like, me and Joe watch Supergirl and Arrow and all the things on PC, 
do they shoot them roughly? They're roughly shooting three episodes ahead uh-huh. every time we're watching one. So then, if we watch episode one, they're shooting episode four. Okay. Point, so they can always do it. So what it basically means is, if something happens in the world, they can react to it in real life. They can sort of they can put something mm. in the show that maybe um, has resonance in today's world. Okay. Um, and also equally, if they put a, if they bring a character into the show that say they think can it work, and all of a sudden he doesn't or she doesn't work, if a character people don't engage with them, they can just suddenly go right, okay, you know what, we're going to write them out, kill them off, get rid of them. Whereas they can't do that in these shows that are shot all in one go because if something doesn't work, they're left with they've got the show done already, they're, they're sort of stuck with what they've got as opposed to having to go back and do it. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's great, that's great, that can make sense. The other thing I thought was, the big thing that Netflix and Amazon do is they do these like 30 day free trials. Have they seen a lot of people taking on the 30 day free trial, binge watching two or three shows and then never taking it up again? Ah, uh, okay, okay. So they lose money that, they think to themselves, they lose money that way, they want people to stay for more than 30 days, they want to stay for the full, you know, they take a year's subscription out. Yeah, yeah, aye. Could possibly that. Could be possible with that. But I like your idea as well, your idea makes sense as well. Yeah. You know, they, they, want to, they want to maximise their viewership, they don't want to, they want to if they put 10,000 things on, they want to be able to watch some of them, not just one thing. The problem you have is, you ha- if you're doing the weekly drop, you have to make sure that your, that your show is hitting, like, all the marks, and it's engaging to the point where people will come back, and they won't just sit and maybe wait for a couple of weeks, and then oh. come back around and binge watch it. I think as well, if you're, doing a, if you're doing stuff on Amazon, for example, as well, that is a 10 or 12 episode arc, you've got to make sure all 12 of them work. Mm-hmm. If you're doing, say, again, go back to Supergirl, it's, it's a 24 episode season. So, you know what, over 24 episodes, you can expect, I would say, four will be great, 20 will be solid, and four will be a bit, maybe, oh shit, it's a bit below. So, but you've got that leeway because you're doing so many episodes. Yep. Whereas if you're doing 12 episodes of episode arc, you, you, and you're doing it week to week, you have to get one of them as impactful and hits hard to make people actually want to be engaged in it. Yep. But um, overall, Jack Ryan, would you oh, recommend I, it again? You look forward to the second season? Yes, 100%. Um, this story kind of finishes. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it for anyone. No. The way it finishes, it's contained within the first season. Um, but it's obviously, it, because he's a CIA agent, it's yeah. always scoped to do Oh, I, the trouble that the bad guy and all the rest of them came from, there's way more than yeah. enough content there to be dealing with. I think that's the thing you do if you have a Jack Ryan or a, a Jack Reacher kind of TV show or, or movie, for example. Is that each film can be entirely self-contained, or a TV show is entirely every scene can be self-contained mm. because it's a, it works for CIA. Yeah, shit is always happening in the world. Yeah, you know, so it doesn't always have to be tied in. It's always contained. They can always just start a new baddie. Yeah, especially especially with this. This isn't really spoils because it happens very early on. But the the original bad guy he ends up getting pretty much kidnapped, and uh, I don't think he gets killed, but he gets kidnapped anyway by the other bad guy who ultimately the other bad guy he ends up being like the main the main bad guy for the full yeah. right. so it starts off as one guy and then it changes right. and you're like there you go it's you, a, you know? do what you want with it yeah. Yeah, yeah and like I said there's always enough espionage stories out there and I, I, like, I really love a good spy brother oh, yeah, so. if it's done well it's done well yeah yeah, yeah. highly recommend it cool I will look forward to it you watch anything else of interest at home uh, the only thing and it just dawned on me just before we hit the record button was uh, we were channel jumping and Goodwill Hunting was on telly and I, I, and I stopped at it and then Stacey was like oh I've never seen it before and I'm like oh, oh. oh sorry she'd seen 
bits of right, it, okay. and I was like, no, you need to see the whole thing because this is like Robin Williams at it's, his best. It's a phenomenal movie. Yeah, and did she on. embrace it? Did she enjoy it? She did. She oh. she genuinely loved it. It has got my genuinely my most, one of my most favourite moments of all time in a film. I think we talked about it before. It's a bit when Robin Williams' character is talking to Matt Damon's character about what about what love is, yes. and he tells about how he met his wife. Yeah, yeah. And he tells about how he's accepted. He talked about the Red Sox game, mm. and, idea, and he's like, oh, "So were you? Were you in the field fighting?" He's like, "No, my fuck, I was in the bar with the girl." You know, mm. and it's like it's such a beautiful yep. scene, and it just it's so well played by two actors and it's, just, oh, it's an absolutely brilliant it's a brilliant, brilliant film and, and he is at his absolute best in that film like, so, so then so I sh- we watched the movie she loved it and then I had to show her the, the scene from a uh, uh, James and Bob Street back season. <laughs> <I didn't show laughs> and she got a wee chuckle yeah. out of it, and I was like, eh? Yeah. Yeah. You can laugh at it because they're laughing at it. Yeah, yeah. yeah like the, the, the apples, apples are a bitch. If I've been with a lady for God knows how long, she's not seen James and Bob Street back. That seems wrong. I think she has seen it. Right. I'm pretty sure she's seen it. Right. I'd be, I'd be upset if she hadn't seen it, to be honest. I'm going to ask her. And if not, I know it's on one of the platforms. It's on Amazon, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Come on, Kevin Smith, get the rest of them up so I can do a whole entire like. Uh, there's, there's a few. I think most of them are up on either platform. His clips is on Amazon now. Yes. As well. um, I think Morris is somewhere as well. Is it? The only one that's not up right now is Yoga Hoses. <sighs> which I've seen because I saw it in the cinema when it came out. Choking but, um, to see it. But um, yeah, it's not up anywhere. Um, but yeah, so good old hunting. It's mm. Goes without saying, phenomenal movie. Yeah, if you've never seen it for some reason, just sit and watch it. Yeah, it is. Beautiful. That is a, it's a genuinely beautiful film. Yeah. And it just, just gets you right in the heart. Yeah, because you can you can relate. You can relate to at least one of the characters. Oh, absolutely, every second. Yeah. Of it, yeah. And they all come from like a background that we're, we don't, we never, we never grew up in Boston, in the south side of Boston, but we, we get, we know those people. Yeah. You know who those people are. You, 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 if you grew up in a, in a working class world, you, you yeah. know who those guys are. Aye. And you recognise, and you recognise well like, the guy who you know who should be better. Who can do better? Yeah, and you want them to do better. You feel like you motherfucker, you've, you've got a ticket out of essentially like a drudgery life. Yeah, a low earning job, uh-huh. bit monotonous. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. You know, you know that everyone knows a guy like that. You go, why the fuck have you not done something? And yeah. it just it, to- it totally grabs me. Yeah, that end bit always grabs me. Yeah. Always grabs me, and I'm like, oh, he done it. He done, done it. it. Ah, it's amazing song. Yeah, <sighs> good choice. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch Good at some point this weekend. Just to be honest, I probably wouldn't have stuck it on because I watched it not that long yeah, ago yeah. on one of the platforms, but it was because we were Chandram and she said that she hadn't seen it all and I was like, oh, don't need to tell me twice. Oh, I'm going to love the stage. How's she watching Venom and loving it and not watching Good Hunting? There's something to be said there. It's, it's, it's not right. I know. Right, well, this is pretty much where I take a back seat for yes. five minutes and you rattle <laughs> four out of the six movies. Yeah, so, yeah, so I had a free day on Friday. Um, I was off work. Jill was away. Jill was working on Friday. So I went to the cinema at 12 o'clock on Friday and did not leave until about quarter to 11. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure you've probably done a longer shift than most employees most in employees, the cinema world. Possibly, yes. Um, <laughs> I, I got work out my card. So basically I paid for my, my cinema card mm. just by that one day alone. Twice over. Twice over. Yeah. So, okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm winning. Um, so, uh, love it. So the first film I saw was a film called Peter Lou. Okay. Which is um, probably the most heavy hitting film I've seen this week, so maybe not. But Peter Lou, it's directed by Mike Lee, who's a British director. He directed stuff like Mr. Turner, uh, Vera Drake, Lots of Turvey. A man who goes for that kind of social realism. He's, he's not, he 
he's not going to do he's not going to do a Marvel film, for example. He is, he deals in sort of the very intimate and the right the working class to a great degree. You know, he sort of deals with that kind of world. You know, very, okay. maybe like real people and things like that. And the plot of this film is something I get even about my my leftist leanings in life. I didn't actually know about Peter Lou. And essentially, it's it's sort of the rise of democracy in Britain, where up until this point, certainly, but just just in the early 1800s, where no one had to vote apart from basically the upper class and the landed gentry. You had to land and sort of status and have a vote, and also this leads to much disconsent amongst the. because ah, it's like the upper class that's controlling yes. everything that goes on. The, the, the unwashed were, yeah. were sort of spat upon and not really cared about. So it's it basically sort of them sort of rising up and trying to, you know, sort of the one man, one vote idea, you know, the idea that they should be recognised and they should be heard and listened to and. And, all, and, and everything we all believe in and the whole very truth herself. But essentially, the, all these um, working class people stood in, I think it's called St Peter's Field, or St Peter's Cross, I can't remember exactly, uh, in protest. And essentially, the, the gentry and the army, and yeah, I'm the army cavalry charged them, yeah. like on horseback, and basically killed a lot of them and um, injured many, many more. And it sort of it became sort of a, a, a touch paper of, of like you know of the the rise of the working class and to try and you know push this movement forward. Sure. You know, so as you can imagine, hard hitting. It's it's it's, it's not a lot of laughs in this film. No, it's <laughs> not a it's not a easy relaxing Sunday afternoon watch. No, definitely not. Um, it's it's a it's a chunky watch. It's about two and a half hours of uh, long. Mm-hmm. Um, in the film, you've got a deluge of British actors. You know, just guys you know from TV, and you go like, I know him, I know him, I know right, him, okay. I know him. The biggest actor probably you know is Rory Kinnear, um, who was in it. He plays a guy called Henry Hunt, who is sort of like the lightning rod, kind of like spokesman of the entire uh, movement. He is probably the most wankerish good guy in the whole thing. Nice. You know, everything he says is 100% correct, but also he does it in such a twattish way. You go, I fucking hate you. <laughs> and I shouldn't hate you because you're saying everything that should be said. Yes. But you're a dick about it. Ah. Okay? Um, so it's. Two and a half hours long, so it's definitely a chunky film. It, it takes a bit of time to sit and watch it. Um, it's a very slow build-up. It's just lots of guys in rooms talking, uh, lots of rhetoric. You know, they're discussing things that are very lofty and very, you know, big in their ideas and sort of the idea of how to bring these off and, and what it means to be. You know, the idea that we have a vote and stuff like. That, you know, the fact that they didn't have a vote, why they want one. You know, mm. the things that we very much take for granted now. They're fighting for this cause. You know. Basically, the men are thinking for it. They know for a fact the men might get it, the women are never going to get it. So it takes another hundred odd years for, for that to happen. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's very much them, you know, talking about that. It's a film that, even though it is set 200 years in the past, it feels, particularly now, exceptionally relevant. Really? Wow, you know, okay. You know, you, you see the, the rise of, again, the, the sort of the eating class and the Cambridge class running this country again, and then the, the yeah. sort of the idea that the working class are getting pushed down upon the middle class are squeezed so tight that they're just made to fear everything. Mm. You know, it's it, it feels very prevalent in, in today's world. Um, so it feels very important. The pacing of it will probably put a lot of people off mm. and the length of it, you know, two and a half hours it is. You've got to, put, you've got to dictate some time to this thing. Um, and it does say, I watched, I haven't seen it like, 12 o'clock or half 12 on a, on a Friday afternoon. It wasn't a bit it was probably a decent amount of people but everyone there was there for a reason. They wanted to see this film. Yeah. You can't see a lot of people want to see it just on the, on the off chance. Okay. You know, everyone was very much engaged in it. Um, I, I liked it. I thought it's got a great message in it, obviously. Um, being very leftist leaning myself, I, I, I got what it's trying to do. Uh-huh. Um, 
it's a little bit not unbalanced, it's a little bit scattered. Right. In the sense it can maybe try to tell too many stories. Okay. You know, so you've got the you've got the, the upper class, you've also got the guys who are trying to make change, you've also got the sort of the guy going back from the Waterloo fight and you've seen him, you've also got the sort of the non everyday family. It felt like they could have either focused on one of them maybe a bit more or even tried to you know, maybe just refine somebody else's story, maybe maybe cut one out, possibly. Right. Yeah, yeah. But then, suppose you cut one out, you lose part of the actual story itself. So it's, it's quite, it's a, it's a very delicate balancing act. For me, it's a little bit too scattered gun. And the other thing I'll have about it as well is the ending of the film ends. You know, normally in a film, particularly a biography, a biography type film, you get like, and after this event, something else happened. Three years later, the, this law was passed. Yep. You, get that, you get the wee yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You don't get that. Oh, okay. So you're left wondering what happened, and hopefully you read your history, you know what happened after it. Right. But mm. maybe people who want to try and find out, you've been, it's not spoon feeding you what, what happened to it. Oh, okay. But as a piece of historical you know, narrative, and to actually see something that's quite amazing that I generally didn't know about, mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely worth a watch. Like, oh, really, okay. it's, like I said, it takes, it takes some time, it'll take some effort, you have to. Dedicate, you know, dedicate some time to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not maybe not a fun watch. It's not you, know, you don't sit down a couple of beers and watch it. You have to invest some time in it. Oh, yeah. I can see even a kind of film that will be maybe seen in uh, like film class. You know, ah, right, okay, over yeah. the next few years, definitely Mike Lee, who the guy who's most of his films have been very, you know, it's one man, it's all single, not single, like small locations. You know, maybe all one like, rooms. It's very, very, very quiet and very cheap to an extent. Yeah, yeah. This is big. Okay. You know, because obviously he's got the whole weekend actual massacre happening, that's, that's a big piece of cinema. Uh-huh. So it's, it's def- definitely different from, from what he's doing, but the different theme of what he normally does as well. Um, I give it a solid 7.5 out of 10, but it's definitely, right. worth, definitely worth a watch. Okay, okay. So, second film I saw um, on my four movie day, uh, <laughs> following up from the historical drama Peterloo, was a film called Matriarch, which is a, a Scottish movie. I really hope this is really a lot lighter than the first movie. Um, <laughs> directed by Scott Vitters, uh-huh. and he's a Glasgow guy. And his debut feature, his only other sort of claim to fame is he's in, been in like 137 episodes of River City. We spoke about this last year. <laughs> <laughs> right, so I'm not sure River City is a hallmark of quality in anything, but still, like, he's parlaying his, his career in that into something else. You've somehow managed to milk it for 100 and something yeah, episodes. Well done, bravo to you. You've, you've got a working job. Um, a lot of the film is it's a young couple. Um, who are going away for a, a romantic weekend in the Highlands. One of them is uh, the lady is pregnant, not one of them, the lady is pregnant, <laughs> obviously. Um, while driving through there, they, they crash a the car and they, they walk to try and find some help. They come across a, a, a farm. Um, people aren't particularly helpful at first, but then they see the way the lady is pregnant and they become very, very helpful at this point. Okay. Uh, at which point you begin to worry about the, lady, the woman thinking they're going to steal her baby yes. and shit kicks off from there. You're thinking, okay, there's a, there's a definite oddness to the family. And you're wondering what's going to happen, and it's basically them sort of investing. When is this set? Set now. Why didn't they whip out their phones? No signal. They do try. Ah, okay, okay. okay. They as, do. Uh, as long as it's that's covered, and they don't just no, randomly wander off. They've got to do that in every film nowadays, when it's like any sort of like sort of survival. And they have to have them. They have their that that shot now. But they put the phone open. <sighs> ah, damn it! No signal. Or they've got a tree. Like, ah, no signal. So it's, it's ah. they have to keep. They have to always do that now. Yeah, you have yeah. to basically. And a couple of guys I've listened to, like talk, filmmakers, said they like setting stuff. It costs more money to set it, say, in the 1980s or the 1970s. Of but, course. But if you do that, it means you don't have the mobile phone problem. People don't have them, so it makes things a bit worse. You're paying for the privilege of making your life easier, oh. telling the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So in the film, you've got a guy called Charlie Blackwood, um, who plays, um, I believe he plays, 
plays. She plays. So she is uh, the, the pregnant lady. Uh, Scott Vickers is in acting, writing, directing, I think also producing duties, so he's, he's, he's doing it all. Yeah. Um, you've got a guy called Alan Cuthbert and Julie Hannan, who again are all British actors, not really, but I'm not really known for much, much else to be honest. Okay. Um, I've actually quite enjoyed it. It's it's a solid thriller. It's, le- it's not really much of a horror. Okay. It doesn't really have the same horror aspects as you would expect from it. It's definitely more of a thriller. Um, you have that thing you do in most horror films, though, where it's like you go like, just leave, leave, like, leave. like and to be yeah. honest, they are, they are thinking that we should leave, and they and it's like they notice the weirdness, which I go like, that's good. At least yeah. you, yeah. It's when people <laughs> don't notice the weirdness in horror, you go like, why the fuck are you not seeing what we're all seeing? Did you recognise where it was set? I think it's to, up towards like sort of sky area. I think okay. I'm not, I'm honestly yeah. not really sure. Honestly, okay. Um, it's kind of like it's an, it's an area where there's not a lot around it. Yeah. Looks, it almost looks like what's that place in the West Highland Way, that kind of moor, is it Rannock Moor? In the West Highland Way, I think it's over there. It, it looks like that kind of area, so it might go on that. Right, okay. That kind of world. okay. Um, it is pretty formulaic in the sense that you kind of you know what's going to happen to an extent. You, know, you can always say, like, something bad's going to happen. Something, like, I, I can see where it's going to go. Yeah, yeah. But it's done with enough sort of interest that you can you're, you are intrigued by for most of the film. Okay. What he does do, which I thought was really interesting, he does it all in the daylight. Oh. Which I don't know, to me I had a certain more level of like creepiness to it because we're all used to horror films and set in yeah, the darkness. You know the classic breaking down car in the middle yeah. of nowhere in nighttime, you know that kind of this entire film is pretty much set during the day. Oh, that's creepy. Uh, and because it's in the Highlands of Scotland you can go like, well no one's around for like you know 20 miles in either direction, so you, yeah. no one can hear you scream, so you can just make the set during the daytime. And that to me, was that, that's quite interesting to do. Yeah, I mean, they might have done it purely for bu- maybe budget reasons, but it was easier to shoot in the daylight rather than the night, which obviously could be the, the reason for it. But I thought it was actually quite an interesting spin on it. Yeah, yeah. It's like you can't, ha- you can't really hide anything at that point. Yeah. Everything is up front and it's on screen and it's there, so mm, that was that's good. I, I thought it was really, thought it was really well done. Um, all the actors, pretty okay. Some of it does get, because it, they are, they're not, you know, you're not, they're not, they're not they're, 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 movie star actor so there is a certain level it does go into a little bit hammy at times you know almost you know the theatre acting they're all they're acting to the back row and you're going like oh yeah. but nothing bad like, sure. you know, totally watchable there is a third act reveal in it literally not even third act reveal it's literally the, the second to last shot in it it just it, there was no need for it and it just totally to me ruined something in the film ah. which annoyed me okay if he didn't have that in the film, I'd be like, you know what? I really enjoyed that film. I thought it was a really well done sort of British horror film, oh. horror thriller. Yeah, yeah. But that thing, you dealt, you're, you're trying to put an, an extra twist on it for no reason. Yep. The film itself had tied up nicely. It, it, it worked, and you can easily wrote round the problems you had with having this person there. There was no need to make it this, this other version of it that yeah, they yeah. eventually go for. Ah. And lengthen a little bit. Okay. But oh man. Pretty enjoyed it. It's a good sort of warning to all of Middle England do not venture north of Hadrian's Wall because we will kill you. You know, you basically try to kill you, so you know, be wary. Don't come north. Um, but it's a piece of Scottish like it's nice to see a Scottish film getting made. Mm. Nice to see a Scottish film in the cinema. Like I saw one a couple of weeks ago, I don't know if you talked about it or um, Colin, but that one is like where do we go from here? Which was an absolute absolute abomination of film. I was like bored of my mind of it. Mm. This much much better good so I really enjoyed it um, 6.5 out of 10 so definitely worth a watch so it, it does seem like we'll end up on Netflix or Amazon okay. pretty soon it'll probably get an audience here alright cool, cool. Uh, moving on to that um, so I'll go to 
from, from Scottish low-budget horror to full-on Disney fairy tale. I can interject a tiny, tiny bit. Okay. Stacey's, uh, Stacey's uh, oldest niece, she's seen this. So this is the Nutcracker and the Four Realms? Yes. Did she like it? Yes, for the most part, she was left unsatisfied with the ending. Fair enough. And I will wrap right round to that. Okay. Um, so it's written by um, two people, actually. Okay. Uh, Lassie Halstrom, which we mentioned, I mentioned not because he's done Rick's film, but also he was the first director we ever talked about on two years of the movie. Wow. Beautiful. Uh, he's done the film called um, A Dog's Purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, also written by Joe Johnson, who did um, the, the, uh, Captain America, the first one, okay. and also The Rocketeer. So he's very good. Sort of big good Disney director, yeah. a Disney film. Apparently, Lassie Halstrom shot most of it. Joe Johnson was brought on to do the reshoots and all some of the special effects work, and he's quite invested in that kind of world. Okay. Um, he's done a lot of that part of it. Um, the plot of the film is it's a um, young girl is and her family are dealing with the death of, the, of the, one of the mother. Mm-hmm. Um, she goes to a party at our godfather's house, at which point she finds a magical portal through this other realm. At the same time, she's been given a gift by her mother and death. It's like a fantasy egg and that there's something that can do something to that's my that's my of the film. Cool. Um, she gets, gets to the four realms and she discovers that that one of them is at war with the other three realms. And she's caught up in that in that world. Okay. Okay, so that's that's the general premise and it's her trying to decide who to fight for and what for. Okay. Okay. Um I it's, Perfect. It's the most gilly of gilly films. Right. So it's definitely not aimed at itself. No. No. Um, I'm not a man who do likes it. And I, I do like a Disney film. I can enjoy a Disney film. I really enjoy Cinderella, for example. Um, didn't like Beauty and the Beast that much. But Cinderella, really enjoy Sleeping Beauty, I think I enjoy a lot as well. Okay. So I, and I do like, I love Disney cartoons. So oh, of course. I'm definitely invested in Disney. This film, it was sweet to the point of sacrament. That was like, oof, it's like, need to bring something back here a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I find it, it's sort of like film by committee. Uh-huh. You know, there's too many voices shouting something out, and I think you can sense that when you get two directors who are not working together. Yes. One's brought in to, to finish something off. It's always a red flag for me whenever like another director has to be drafted in to yeah. do something, especially if like the first director's still hanging about as well. Aye, apparently he was just he wasn't he wasn't available for reshoots, which means strengths of told not not reshoots. Um, it's something you can work fine. You know, we talked about it last week with Amy Rhapsody. Yes. It was two directors, and it worked really well. But the difference between that one was only one is credited on that film, but this one is credited with two directors, which means there's two distinct tones. tones yeah, to yeah, yeah. It's not overly noticeable, but I can sort of sense when you the, 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 the differences. Yeah, yeah. Um, it felt a little bit under budget, for example. A wee bit. It felt like they, they didn't have the budget they wanted to do it. Stretching what you could do. Okay. Um, in the film, you've got um, Morgan Freeman. He plays the, the Godfather. He's in it for literally ten minutes. So um, you've got cheeky Her- cameo. Yeah, basically cameo. Helen Mirren plays the, the, the big bad in the film. Um, you've got Mackenzie Foy, who plays the young girl. She's the main protagonist in the film. She is, if you know Twilight, she plays the young daughter in Twilight. That's her big okay. claim to fame. Okay. And it's supposed to be called Esme. Is that the name of the young girl in Twilight? The, the daughter. Renesmee. Renesmee. There you go. Exactly. Okay, Renesmee. Okay, that's the, the voice of Jill. Yeah. Um, also, we've got Kira Knightley in it as well. Um, Omid Jahali comes up as well, who I always like to see in things. Uh, Richard E. Grant is in it as well for literally two minutes. And you, that's, that's the problem you've got with it. There's some interesting actors in it. 
who's rolled a cut down literally a single line. Yeah, yeah. And you're thinking, they must have a bigger part originally, and something they've, they've decided to trim them out. So you've got Richard e. Grant, who's a well known actor, and he's yeah, yeah. lots of stuff, is reduced to basically background actor who had a couple of lines. That's all he's done. I feel like he must, he would not have signed on for this film yeah. if that was his role. So you tell, naturally you get a sense of there's been issues on the set. Yeah, yeah. Um, Keira Knightley's role, she's overly sexualised in it, but it was a kid's film. Yeah. She talks like she's like a Marilyn Monroe voice. Oh. And basically, at one point, if you know the Nutcracker kind of story, that like, all the ten men come to life. Yeah, yeah. She's basically talking to him like Marilyn Monroe style about how she loves a big boy and stuff like that. You're going, I feel like Keira Knightley's been a little bit too sexualised in this film for a kid's movie. Yeah. And, and it, it made me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Keira Knightley thought like that. Did you get a boner? I mean, I'm not going to lie, but I mean, it's still, it's still <laughs> odd and wrong in a kid's film, you know. It, it's happened oh, before, but not, not very often, is it? Um, I just found it a little bit like a lazy Disney film. It, just, it didn't feel like the same zip as something like, like the Cinderella quite enjoyed, and Beauty enjoyed, Beauty and the Beast. And I thought it was okay, but I also really liked Beauty and the Beast, so yeah. it, it felt like this was a bit like, it was a secondary option. Okay. I can't really see who's going to go see it. Okay, so here's my question, because this was... What Stacey's niece was kind of hinting at, so I'm going to ask you for your opinion. Do you think this film was the way it finished? Do you think it's setting up for a series of films? Are they trying to build a world within the Nutcracker universe? I absolutely think they would like to build a world in the Nutcracker universe, much like you know, a Narnia. It, it feels very Narnia for one mm. thing. It almost looks like they use the Narnia sets at times. When they said that when last week when we mentioned the full title, it screams of the wanting to push this as a series. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think every studio right now wants a series. If they can get any film to spin off into four or five films, they want it, they, 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 they crave that franchise, you know, yeah, something. Yeah. Instant brand recognizability. This film, I think, is, is wanting that, because right now this film is basically trading on the fact that it's a Disney film. Mm-hmm. That's what you need to watch. It's Disney and Princess, and that's what kind of people want to go and see, which young girls want to go and see for the most part. Because um, who the kid could have been? I mean, what do you know about Nutcracker? Well, I know it's a play that's on like every year at Christmas. Ah, and it's, I know the wee tune. Yeah. I know it's a ballet. That's oh, all, sorry, it's a ballet. It's a not ballet. a play. That's so. all I know about it. I don't know much about the actual story itself. So, but it has got, that's the only brand recognition it's got is that people know the name. Yeah. Taking people who know this name go see this film and hopefully enough to get people to go see another one, that's what they're looking for. But I don't think it's done well enough business wise to, to get yeah. that. Well, she was Franchise. she was left disappointed by the ending, and that was her own words. She said she liked the film, but the ending was a bit disappointing. And how old is she? She's like thirteen or something. Mm. Yeah, thirteen. That seemed a little bit old for this film. I okay. think this film is more pitching towards the between maybe seven and ten. Okay, wow. Well, like okay, a, almost a frozen audience. Oh, okay, okay. Right, it's pitching to that audience, and I think maybe thirteen's a little bit old for that. But then I suppose every girl's a princess at heart. Yeah, as we all are. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I didn't like it a lot. I didn't really like it at all. To be honest, I found it, I found it pretty dull. Um, and again, I would premise that it's probably not aimed at me. Yeah. You know, yeah. I am a thirty-two-year-old man. You know, watching this film, so maybe I'm not the target audience for this film. Yes. But I like. I do watch films like this with an eye towards what, my, what I'd like my nieces to watch. Yeah. You know, so I remember when I saw something like say Moana, mm. and I was in the phone to like my sister and telling Jill to tell her sister to take the kids to go see this film because. It's what you want a young girl to see. Yeah, yeah. It feels like you know, brave as well. I thought this is what I want my niece to watch. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't really give a shit to watch this. I just feel like it feels really not that interesting. Okay, okay. Um, I'm gonna give it a four out of ten. So do you feel? I know it's a bit of like an old term, but do you feel it should have been a straight to DVD 
style movie. It almost feels like that, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a 4 out of 10. Young kids might enjoy it more, maybe I think they give it maybe a 6, 7, you know, they might embrace it more than me, which is absolutely fine. Um, but nah, to me it just did not engage. And I, I want to engage by Disney because I am brain yeah. on Disney. I want, to, I want to enjoy Disney this is different. Have a shame, have a missed opportunity. Yeah, oh well. Yeah, that's what it was. And also, let's be honest, it never really got much press to get released out. No, I mean, no. You didn't know about it until I mentioned it pretty much. Yeah, and even then, I think we only. I only seen the trailer. But you know what? I only seen the trailer because it was tacked onto a YouTube video. Aye. Like I didn't. I haven't seen a trailer. I haven't seen a poster on the side of a bus or nothing. Aye. Yeah. About this movie film, and that's a bad way for Disney. Alright. The only thing is, like, in terms of the movie, when they were coming out, you knew they were just beyond. Yeah. Belief. You knew they were coming out. Like, uh, for talking's sake, one that's coming out soon. Mary Poppins. Uh, yes. Uh-huh. And also the Grinch as well. Oh yeah. I'm seeing that advertised everywhere. Yeah. And you're like. Well, why can't the Nutcracker do that? Aye. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so four out of ten for that one. And then there was a final film that I saw myself, yes. and then Barry can talk after this one, is <laughs> um, a, a rom com called Juliet Naked. Okay. Um, directed by Jesse, who directed a film called um, Our Idiot Brother and The X. The X is an absolutely atrocious film. You know, it's a good, it's an okay film. It's got Zach Braff in an absolute prickish of a role, which makes me really hate Zach Braff in this film. And, mm. and I, That's hard. Really? This, I mean, I, I, I get angry in this film for the way Zach Graff acts in this film. Wow. Yeah, and the same way I get angry with these kind of scrubs. Okay. I, I think it's probably one of the most dislikable, most dislikable characters in a lead role. Yeah. Because he, he gets everything he wants and he's still a wanker about it. Yeah, he kind of whinges a lot yeah. in the show, yeah. And as soon as he gets something, he kicks it away. Like, like he falls in love with the girl and the girl wants him back. He goes, I don't want her anymore. He's like, you're, a wank, you're an asshole. Okay, yeah, yep, sorry. Yep, yep. The X is out with Zach Graff. We can I do a scrub special on the yeah. <laughs> um, also done lots of TV comedy, done stuff like he's done all the he's done um, the Brooklyn Nine Nine and Parks and Rec and stuff. So he's done tons of American comedy, so he's very much invested in that world. Yep. Um, the plot of this film is it's set in, in partly in southern England. Um, you've got Rose Byrne, who always known about Rose Byrne. She is working in a, a small seaside town. She is long-term relationship with Crystal Dowd from the IT crowd. Okay. Um, he is obsessed by a songwriter um, played by Ethan Hawke who had done one album back in the early 90s and basically brought up this sort of cult fan base around this one album that people just adore. Okay. But, yeah. the, but Ethan had done, done an album since he basically he's a recluse and he hid away and no one knows what's happened to him. So Crystal Dowd um, essentially is um, like sort of on all the, the fan forums the and he's had this like that he loved he just had them all these fan theories and like it's crazy about what happened to this guy and what no he's never seen him again. Yeah. Someone gives Crystal Down an album called Juliet Naked, which is the, the album that he wrote was called Juliet and it's a song about his broken heart. And the Juliet Naked album is basically like, sort of the demos of that album. Oh okay, 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 so okay yeah, yeah. He listens to it, so does Rose Byrne listen to it. She writes something on the um, the forum page about how it's a piece of shit, it's, it's wankerish and it's just it's rubbish, right? Okay. Oh no. She she, she gets a rough internet. What happens then, though, is Ethan Hawke, the, the singer-songwriter, emails Rose Byrne. So she starts having sort of a over-email relationship with the singer-songwriter. Friendly or more? In between. <laughs> you can see there's some sparks. <laughs> At the same time, she's not telling Crystal Dow because she's getting a question relationship with Crystal Dow because he's, he's kind of a bit of head to her. So first half of the film, they basically break up with he sleeps with another girl, and she, he's left sort of ruining the idea, like, oh my god, my girlfriend is now dating or possibly dating my hero. 
yeah, yeah. everything. So the films that unfold man is that these three people have this relationship and he's got he, Ethan Hawke's got a relationship with his many children from many different mothers that he's still trying to reconcile with his Okay. Um, so it's got a lot, a lot, a lot of things going on. I really dug it. Cool. It's very sweet. It's cool. written by it was based on Nick Hornby novel. Oh yeah, yeah. So he wrote um Nick Hornby right. Fever pitch and he wrote um, uh, High Fidelity. High Fidelity. So it's, it's in that world, so you know. All the way down and yes. all that. All that kind of stuff. So the guy writes a good sort yeah. of kind of story like that. It's very sweet, it's touching, it's, it's also genuinely very, very funny. Cool. Like I laughed out loud at it, which have you read the book yourself? No, no. not at all. Okay. So I had no idea about it. I, I went and seen it. I went and seen it purely based on the fact I like Ethan Hawke, uh-huh. I like Rose Byrne, and I like Chris Dow. That's the only thing that got me in the same field. I like them and I want to see them do something together. Um, it does talk about, it, it sort of explores like, this idea of delayed adolescence, you know, that you know, people are always just sort of not really, really grown up. We're all sort of still living this sort of like, we're all sort of living, sort of living this sort of check, not childhood, but like, like teenage life, you know, and yes. I think probably between you and like this, probably in both our minds, we still think we're 18 years old. Yes. But we're not. But we're Until still, we have a hangover. Until we have a hangover. <laughs> you're, still, you're still doing the things like saying that you want to do when you're 18, you're, 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 you're now in your 30s now. Yeah. You know, so it's, it, it's getting to the heart of that, you know, we're still listening to the same music we listen to when we're 18 years old, we're not really listening to anything new, you're just focusing on the stuff you love as a, as a, as a youngster. Yeah. Um, they talk about, about mischances as well, you know, like, you know, should have taken this road, that road, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's, it's all something very much relatable to people of our age, you know, and look at it that way. Um, it, it does go over some sort of pretty well-treaded tropes of the rom-com genre, but because you've got Chris O'Dowd, Rose Byrne and Ethan Hawke in it, they don't feel like tropes, they don't feel well-worn. Yes. They, they breathe life into something that has been done oh. many times before. Cool. And that's, I think it's a good point. You can do stories that have been done a hundred times before, but if you find the right actor to do them, they can do so much more with it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be feel to come from it. Like it can be a formula that that, that works. You know, and they need to work for a reason. Um, Hawk and Burn are absolutely lovely together. You want to see more of them together. You want to see them like do another film. I love seeing them do another film. Not necessarily mm-hmm. characters, just see them together because they seem to work well off each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I like the fact that it didn't need to feel to reveal everything. There are strands in the film that, that are not tied up because such is life. Yeah. You know, it's like... That's actually quite a nice thing. I quite like it when a films do that. They can't just leave it as an open end, like, like you need to kind of almost yeah. think about it. How would you like How would you like the story to oh, go? You know? sense that you're watching very much sort of a, a, a slice of life. You know, maybe you're watching about a six-month period of this, these yeah. people's lives. And no one's life is defined by six months. You know, it's like there's life on The life happens after it. You get a set resolution to it one strand of the story, you're going, like, you know what, I'm happy it's ended here, and that yeah. feels like somewhere that this character would go, yeah. will it go far on that? I don't know. And you, and you're you like, I would like to think this would happen to them, or like to think this would and you like to hope this thing happened to this character, you know, so you're left in a, in a way going, like, you know what, I don't need to know how, how they all finish up in life, but I am happy they're in a, they're in a place different from where they started, and they will take a life from there. Cool. And because of that, I genuinely very much enjoyed it. It's a, it's a well done, nice film, and cool. one that everyone in it look back. You know what? That's a film worth my time. Cool. Yeah, I'll certainly look out for it. So. It definitely seems like a good Netflix film. You know, and a nice, a lovely Sunday afternoon film. You know, particularly on a rainy night. Scram. Oh. No, no. Um, <laughs> like a rainy bank holiday or something, sitting at home watching it. Absolutely go for it. Cool. Um, solid eight out of ten. Wow. Yeah. No, yeah, wow. like a film get and yeah, yeah. got me, liked it. I think. It's probably because you can relate to it. Oh, totally, it's yeah. like they're talking about things that they're maybe, roughly my age. Yes, yeah. that you're thinking about and 
going through the now yourself as you look back totally. on things and stuff, yeah? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I said, really enjoyed it, so if you can find it, definitely watch it. Right. I want to bring up two points. Okay. One happened last night when we were sitting waiting for Overlord to start. Okay. I seen Creed 2 trailer. First time I've seen it, I'm not going to lie, I'm pretty pumped. Are you pro- I'm not pumped at all for it. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty pumped. I'm not. Um, mainly because it's, it's not got Ryan Coogler direction it. Yeah. He made that film what I want, you know, the Creed film. Um, and I feel this one could go into the territory of the being sequel, you know, the sequel territory. Yeah. But if a Rocky film, I will, call, I will, I will still be there to watch it. Yep. Okay. <laughs> it's just, I when I seen the truth when I seen it and everything I sat there, I'm like, man, I'm really pumped for this movie. Really, really pumped. People I know are pumped for it because people work like the Rocky series. I'm gonna put it out there and I'm gonna be one record that I say, I think Rocky Four is a piece of shit. Yeah. I think one of the, I think it's. It's not only a bad film, it's, it's a fucking awful movie. Yeah. It's essentially four montages of music videos. <laughs> That's all that film is. I think it's absolutely horrendous. <laughs> but people are blinded by the fact that you get James Brown singing in it. Some, there's some good imagery in it. Yeah. But there's fuck all in that film. I think it's an absolutely horrendous movie. <laughs> if it wasn't tagged the Rocky, the Rocky Monica, yeah. you'd ultimately dismiss that film. I yeah. think it's an absolutely atrocious movie. I would rather watch Rocky Five than watch Rocky Four. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I put out there. Full statement. I will watch Rocky fight Tommy Gunn before I watch Rocky fight Drago again. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think it's a terrible movie. And I put it on record. I have no problem putting it on record. Wow. Bold, bold claims here. Do you like Rocky Four? No. No, it's a, I think it's an awful movie. It's one of those ones where if I'm watching the franchise, I kind of just, I'm half paying attention. Like By that point, I'm not even like engaged in it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Once you get by the, the the James Brown living in America, once you get by that, I'm like, I'm done. I don't give a fuck. Everyone else is shit after that. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's, oh, it, it's, oh, it's, I, honestly, it's, it's a fucking awful film. <laughs> terrible, terrible movie. Uh, well, fingers crossed for Creed 2. Creed 2 was better. Uh, number two, what was I going to say? The other thing was the news that. Uh, the actor that plays Rick in the in the Walking Dead, he's gonna he's getting killed off in the series. Not killed off apparently, he's going away in the series. Oh, going away, sorry, he's having a vacation somewhere in the middle yeah. of the apocalypse. Yeah. And uh, but he's doing TV movies. What? How do you feel about that? Um, as you know, I'm a massive Walking Dead fan. Yeah. The comic book. Yes. I love the comic book. I'm a big fan of Robert Kirkman. I gave up on the series about at least three seasons ago, I think it was. Yeah. I don't care. It just feels like. Who owns it now? AMC still? AMC own the Walking Dead TV show. Robert Kirkman still owns yeah, yeah. the Walking Dead brand. It just feels like AMC are just beating a dead horse. They are. Like, it, it, it the series like is almost dead in the water, but yet they're spinning out three movies, and you're like, why? I think the problem with the Walking Dead TV show is they're trying to... Like, they, they, they abandoned the comic and didn't do enough of the comic, which annoyed me more. Than yes, that, that's pretty much how I've stopped yeah. watching it. But the other thing they're doing is, they're all, but they are, the only thing they are doing for the comic that, that, that's in it is this unending, no-ending sight aspect, which I think works brilliantly comic book. The idea that it just rolls on and rolls on. If you watch a TV show, you have to be working towards some sort of conclusion. Yes. Even something like Lost, even Game of Thrones now, yeah, yeah. is working towards that finality, that final this will end the series we might spin off other things but we have to get to a point yep. where something ends it and yep. The Walking Dead from what I'm like to believe there is no end in sight there's no, there's no sort of like point of like what to be. if we get to this town that's the safe haven that's all good we'll end the show at that point there's nothing working towards that it's just it's just, it's just grudging around and people just hang I don't know I don't know one person who's still watching it oh, wow. and from that, from that moment it first out I, was, I knew everyone who was watching it I don't know one person who's still watching it wow. yeah 
give up. You, I mean, you give up on a dog, didn't you? Yeah, I gave up on it pretty early. It was whatever season the farm was, I gave up the season after that. Three, you gave up on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I got to and, five, I think. And I think I've watched random episodes here and there because Stacey was watching it for a long time, but even Stacey's gave up she on it. Well, and she's normally quite committed to things. She'll stick with it. Yeah, I think she's just got bored of it. Aye. You know, it's like you said, there's kind of no real angle or nothing. They're just kind of like bobbing about now, no doing anything. Really as well. Like, there's so much good TV out there. Yeah. I don't think you should take something to fix up this Yeah, exactly. I can watch something else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so I have no interest in what yeah. Rick is doing. Yeah, it was just a weird story. I was like three movies, so you're yeah. like... Hey, we'll move on. Yes. Two, two more films to go. We're still plugging through this. We're doing well. Um, we have got... Uh, film called Overlord. Yes. Yes. Uh, directed by Julius Avery, who directed a film called Son of a Gun. Have you seen that one? No. Hugh McGregor, set in Fremantle West, which I like for that fact, I live there. Yes. Um, but uh, it's not okay, not So, Overlord is from J.J. Abrams. It is a story of a parachute regiment dropped into World War II on the, day, on the eve of D-Day. Yes. They are tasked with going to a Church. Yes, it's in a village. In a village and destroy a radio tower. Yep. Well, they land in the village, they realise there's something very, very untoward in the village. For, you know, possibly supernatural, possibly some sort of scientific experiment. They're not really sure. All they know is that shit's not where it should be. And they're trying to survive that and also commit to their mission as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've talked a lot in the last like, 40 minutes. What did you think of this one? I have opinions about this movie. Quite some bad, some good. Mm-hmm. For the most part, I am an absolute World War Two film fanatic. Nice. I will, I will literally watch any World War Two film yeah. just because, just because I like them. Yeah. especially if they're well done as well. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'm a big fan. You know, of well. it's almost an annual thing that I do watch Band of Brothers as well. Oh, good, yes. So I finished the book Band of Brothers. Yeah, recently, yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, this film, I liked it. But then on the flip side, I didn't like it. See, when you found out what was going on in the church, right. I found that that was an element that was underused. But then yes. a small part of me really likes that fact because oh. I'm like, that's good because we've seen more than enough Nazi-styled, cheap-budget uh, movies like that. Yes. So it was good in that sense. Um, I liked it. I, did. I liked it for the most part. It was just... Some bits were underused. I kind of wish they showed you a bit more of them like, kind of roaming about before they got to the village. It almost seemed like they landed, then a couple of them clubbed together, and then it almost felt like they teleported to the village. Right. It was almost like they wanted the whole film to be in the village yeah. rather than like, them wandering around and stuff, yeah. trying to survive like, uh, the Eva D Day. Yeah. Um, I mean, in the film, you've got a guy called Jovi and uh, Adepo, I think his name is. He plays the main guy in it. Um, he was in Fences, if you've seen this on Fences, he played the, the young boy in Fences. Yeah. Uh, Wyatt Russell, playing the sort of army commander, mm-hmm. the, the leader of the group. Um, that's Kurt Russell's son, and looks annoyingly like Kurt Russell. You know, the point you're like, oh my god. Yeah, he does actually. He did, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. There's definitely no question the parentage there. <laughs> um, you get Mathilde Olivier, playing the, um, the femme fatale. Yes. Who I like. Uh, you've got uh, John McGarrio, I think his name is. He plays the, the very New York man. Yes. The New Yorker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you've also got Ian DeCasca, um, who plays, um, he's one of the other guys in the trip. He plays, you know what's the TV show Shield? Okay, yeah. He plays Fitz and Shield. Nice. Like, nice. Um, I, I like this film. Yeah, yeah. It is a, I, I, I love a proper 18 movie, 
guns for boy film with monsters, a hot chick with a flamethrower. I am kind of all in for that, and yeah. there's not enough of them around to be honest now. No. And no. I, I embrace that. It is a proper, if you're going to have like four or five beers and sit and watch a film, mm. this is a film for you. It is. I agree with you. Everything you said is probably fine. I, I agree with you. They, they maybe don't do enough of the monster stuff. You may want yeah. to see a bit more of that. Yes. You can maybe want to see a little bit more of the, like, the guys in, a, in a, an army unit. But you know what? See, for a voice for 100 minutes, I was I enjoyed the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely enjoyed the love of it. Yep. I, I thought it was a lot of fun. I can see myself watching it on a Friday night. You know, oh, absolutely. Late at night, just throwing it on. <laughs> it was one of those cat. It was a hard balance for me because I wanted them to use the monsters more. But then in my brain, I was like, we've already seen countless B-movie Nazi zombie movies. See, that's what I thought was good about it. It, was, it is a B-movie Nazi yeah. movie, but it's done slightly better. Yeah. Bigger budget. Looks better as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. You can tell there was a budget in yes. this movie. And yeah. that's, that's what I mean. It, it is yeah. a B-movie. It's, if you like stuff like Dog Soldiers, yes. or even in Glorious Bastards, it's not in that, not as good as either of those, but definitely in that realm and that world and that sort of tone to it. Yeah, yeah. And I thought it was absolutely fine. Um, I thought the cast were all pretty good. Yep. I liked her and she's done really well with Mathieu Olivier and the um, Calderon essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought, is it John Wigaro? Is that his name? The, the, uh, the New Yorker. Mm-hmm. He, I thought he was good as well. I thought like, I really liked him in it. Aye, he played it really well because him and the kid were really funny together. Oh, they were. Yeah. Spe- especially at the end of the movie oh. when like, the wee kid's copying <laughs> everything he, he does. does. Aye. Like, like, he's like, on you or something, man. He's like, <laughs> like, I really like that. That bit when he keeps on appearing, <laughs> like, <laughs> killed me yeah. laughing. Yeah, I think that's what it done. It used tension, but it broke the tension as well with a bit of comedy, and yeah. it, it, it felt very culty and, and for that. And I actually quite enjoyed that. I thought Kurt White Russell showed a good chunk of like you know leading man statements. He could show he could hold the film. Yeah. And um, Lee Chanley did a little bit with the thing. You know, I felt like a bit of the thing in there as well with that. Okay. Um, and I thought the main guy. What's your first get the, the lead actor called, sorry? Uh, Jovian... A depot. A depot. yeah. I thought he was good. He, he, he thought well, he is a moral compass, a moral core of the film, and I he could, that well. Yeah, because a lot of the time, he wasn't wanting to, like, be violent towards yeah. anyone, and then as kind of time went on, he kind of realised that he had to be violent, oh. or else he was never going to survive yeah. it. But so, I liked him as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, there are rumours that oh. this film is part of the Cloverfield universe. Okay. Do you think it is? No. You don't think it is? Think it's a standalone? Aye. I never got any vibe whatsoever that it was part of it at all. Like, I know we had spoke beforehand, but sitting watching it and thinking about it again tonight, nah, it's not right. at all. Nah. I think the experimentation thing, because I've seen at one point that the, um, the serum come from beneath the, the city, it's not something they've made, they've just they've harnessed it from somewhere. Right. That could have a sort of Cloverfield overtones to it, possibly. It's, it's, it's clutching its straws. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this seems like another like, fan fiction right here. I agree. Yeah. JJ has said it's not. I am a Cloverfield film. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, I think I need a little bit of a Cloverfield vibe. But what I like about the Cloverfield universe generally is, is the films don't all intersect. Yeah. You know, you have Cloverfield, which I think is a great movie. I think Ten Cloverfield is an absolutely phenomenal film. Yep. But it's only a Cloverfield film the last five minutes when you bring in something to make it a whole of film. It's just a good film up until then. Yeah, yeah. The, the Paradox. Paradox again. Maybe a lesser good film, but... That's why it was on Netflix. It was on Netflix. Not at the cinema. Um, but the Cloverfield aspect of it is not for the final 20 seconds. And yeah, yeah. Film. This film, I, don't, I think this film deserves a cinema. I think it's way better than a cinema film. Um, 
it's better than Gordon Paradox, I would say. Okay. Um, but again, any connection to the Global Universe is more simplified compared to it's very, it's very it's tangential at best. Nah, I never got a vibe at all. Unless, like, when it gets released uh, and then someone sits there and goes through the scene, by scene yeah. we'll maybe see something happening yeah. and then that might tie it deeper into the uh, Cloverfield, but if the fella himself is coming out and saying it's not part of it, then... But he done that before as well with all things. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah. He's a scam. He's a scam. <laughs> um, but it, I think it's a strand to the DNA of Cloverfield, but I'm, I'm looking at Cloverfield a bit like look, I look at the Twilight Zone universe. Yes. And that they're all kind of anthology, they all exist in their own yeah. sort of time frame, but they could all be part of a larger universe. That, and, I'm, and I'm happy with that, I don't mind that. That bit in the... Uh, when... Uh, Boyce goes into the church to, uh, almost accidentally and he's kind of looking about and all that and then he uh, then he ends up coming across the the head with just yeah. his fight and it's talking and I was like woofed yeah. <laughs> I was like whoa yeah. but it's, it's, it's a decent pulpy late night movie uh, yeah yeah I, li- I liked it also how you seen the captain near the end he was starting to like he was turning in front when they were chatting Aye. I liked that I, I thought that was quite a good kind yeah. of effect you know well done yeah um, um, out of 10 what do you think an 8 you give it an 8 yeah it was pretty it was solid see oh. I, I I knew what it was going in so my expectations were like pretty much on point yeah. I didn't come out disappointed or nothing Aye. What I was surprised about, though I feel they might not have seen the whole trailer maybe, was there was a wee old couple in the cinema with us. Aww. And I'm like, I think they must have thought this was a World War II movie. They in the wrong movie, yeah, yeah. Just that way, you're just like, mm, this doesn't seem like your yeah. cup of tea. Could yeah. be wrong. Could be wrong with the new one. I'm with you. I, I'm going to seven and a half out of ten. Okay. I enjoyed it mostly. I'll only give it, I give an eight something special. It needs to really get me. Yeah. yeah. This film, both, I enjoyed it for the time. I will probably watch it again. When I'm lying on the couch on a yeah, Friday yeah. night or something, I'll put it on like maybe in a triple bill with something else. Yeah, yeah. That kind of film. But I, I thought it was absolutely fine, really enjoyable. Not as good as Cofield or Cofield Paradox, or Cofield, take Cofield Lane, sorry. Yeah, yeah. But definitely better than Cofield Paradox. Cool. Yeah, something like that. If it's part of that universe. If it's part of that universe, yeah. Which <laughs> we're not really sure of. Um, so yeah, that's, that's still out of it for a little while. I think so. I think it'll probably do pretty well. Yeah. Um, and the final film this week is a film called Widows. Yes. Directed by Steve McQueen. Yeah. Who directed a film called Hunger. Have you seen that one with uh, a bit of Bobby Sands? It's um, Michael Fassner playing Bobby Sands. I don't think so. Amazing film. Cool. Very solid film, yeah. Cool. 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 An excellent film. Shame. Have you seen that one? No. Uh, Michael Fassner played a sex addict. Okay. It's, again, very good. And you get to see Michael Fassbender's. And Michael Probably. Fassbender had a golf club, essentially. Oh, okay. Terrifying. Look at it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you look at his wife and you go, oh, you poor woman. You poor woman. Liam Neeson esque. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> uh, and also, Phil Years a Slave, the guy who offered it that as well. So that's, that, that was his sort of call, big calling card as well. Yeah. And this film is, I didn't realise till the end credits, but it's based on a book. Is it based on a book? Yes. I thought it was written by Gillian Flynn, who wrote Gone Girl. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, no, this film was based on a book, but Stacey was telling us that the book itself is not set like this. It's set in uh, London, I think. Oh, is it? Right. Yeah, it and it's all kind of like hoity toity women. Oh. So, this film, it's, it's almost 
it took the premise of the book and then just had changed it. Yeah, made a for a, a wider audience release. Ah, and a, I know Jerry Flynn wrote Gone Girl. She did write this book, didn't she? She wrote Future of Speedplay. I'm not hyper sure. Yeah. Um, sorry. No, it was written by Linda McFlatt. Um, she wrote the book. So, so taking the idea of the book, we just moved. I didn't know what the base was. Yeah. It was, like I said, only because of the end credits that popped up. And I'm and I'm sure the book is called Widows as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so, in the film you've got Viola Davis yes. playing the main lead role. Uh, you've got Michelle Rodriguez, I was happy to see a film that's maybe a bit more weight than she's used to doing. You know, she's like, really got some talent, but she's been sort of maligned as sort of like Fast and Furious and stuff like that. They, you know, Throwaway franchises. Aye, they kind of And Elizabeth Debecki, who I like a lot in the film. Uh, you've also got, she's, she's in Macbeth, she's in Gone, Gone the Galaxy, she's in that. Um, you've got Colin Farrell. Mm-hmm. You've got Rob Duval, love to see the Duval back on screen for a long time since Duval on screen. It was, uh, yeah. that was a good wee surprise, I was yeah. like, oh, nice. here. Uh, Liam Neeson turned up in it as well. You've got Carrie. He looks old. He did look old, I thought that was old, but he looked, he looked genuinely pretty old. I was like, holy fuck. I was like, I, maybe I just haven't seen him in a lot of things recently, maybe a few of his movies have passed me by, yeah. but this movie I was like, whoa. I think he's made to look his age in this film. Okay. I think it he's made to look a little bit younger. Okay. Okay. Uh, you've also got Carrie Coon comes up as well. Yeah. Uh, you've also got John Bertanow who's in it as well for literally two minutes. And you've also, it's just, it's essentially the end of Oilers 1984 squad of actors. It is a phenomenal cast. Yeah, yeah. It is just, every one of them is like Oscar winning, Golden Globe winning. At the top of the is a fantastic bunch of actors this guy's managed to, to reach. And I think that speaks to the, the, the reputation of the man that he can get these people to get involved in these films. They, even some people are only in it for only a couple of scenes, but they want to be in these films, they want to be in the film. Aye, because it's associated with Steve McQueen, so. They want to be in it. Aye, yeah, you know. Um, again, the plot of the film is essentially there's um, a bunch of thieves who rob um, another bunch of gangsters. Um, they all get killed on the job, and the the gangsters have to steal from basically go to the widows and say, Look, if we don't get our money back, we're going to kill you. Yeah. Uh, boys, the, the widows all have to sort of band together in order to pull up a job that's been left by one of the husbands. Yep. In order to get the money back for the gangsters to not get killed. Mixed up in a little bit political intrigue as well. Yes. That's pretty much it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of it? I really enjoyed it. As did I, yeah. I thought it was excellent. I thought it was a really good film. And uh, me and Stacey did walk in maybe about five minutes late I, okay. really, I really hope it wasn't any more than that so we kind of had to hit the ground running with right. this one and try and kind of quickly piece together everything that had happened right. uh, but yeah we quickly got the gist of it and thoroughly enjoyed it I, I genuinely really enjoyed it I think like having it based in Chicago was just a perfect setting for it well particularly doing um, corruption yes and Chicago's like, known for the political corruption and also the deep like, uh, poverty and yes you yeah. know, that worked really well you know like, there's that shot of Paul Farrell getting into the car in the London area and driving for maybe about a minute and a half yeah two streets if you're lucky I, and then he's also having this palatial mansion but that's, that's, that's the way the world is it's now yeah. poverty right next door to absolute wealth yeah, yeah. And, yeah that was a really well done piece of like, just, to, just to show that in real terms you know yeah. literally you said two streets only driving it was all maybe we put my foot in it here it it might have even that shot might have even been done as a one take it was no different was it definitely oh fantastic one definitely one take. it was just the way it was shot I was just like that literally looks like someone's just running along with uh-huh. a camera well I think it's camera attached to the, the, yeah. the front of the car but yeah definitely one shot 
No, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. The, the only bit that kind of threw me was um, once they get the babysitter involved. Right, um, yes. And she's leaning more to the athletic side, whereas the other three women involved are more kind of like, you can see they've had a comfortable lifestyle. Then suddenly at the end, the the main lady... Uh, Villa Davis. Villa Davis. She is jacked. She is jacked. In the I'm like, how much bags of money are you moving up? <laughs> I'm like, where did you come? She has got some muscle on her. Aye. Um, definitely. Um, <laughs> that was the only bit that kind of threw me. I was a bit like, oh. But, you made me think you came from the streets. You always get yourself in shape. Yeah. You know what's um, I'm not sure you I thought they were really tight, well structured. Just a grown up movie. Yeah, yeah. It felt like something for adults as opposed to something that's trying to appeal to you know, the 12 to 15 year old to try and get that one. You know, you feel like you're a film for adults. You have I to embrace and watch. I won't ruin it, but that scene with the fella in the van. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. I was. Even, even me and Stacey just looked at each other and went, well, I didn't expect to see that. Because. No, <laughs> The film doesn't lead, like it doesn't show you anything like no. that kind of, like it doesn't show you anything like that. And then when the, that bit, you're like, whoa. And also, I think what I liked about it was not to, I'm not doing the conclusion of it, but mm. it resolves in a realistic way. Yeah. It doesn't. It don't look like a big Hollywood ending. No. It feels like, like yeah, that's how shit in this world might go down. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was really well done. It, it, it could have went for the big action. Finale. Aye, Ocean's Eleven style, oh. they're all walking off into the sunset camp. Or you know, you can start just, I mean, talking about how when something happens, there's a certain, there's a certain level of like, corruption, double cross, you think, oh my god, this could go a different way, and it, it, didn't, it didn't go big, it went, it went, it felt real for the most part. Um, I thought it was really interesting how it tackled not only you said the, the, the class system, you know, like, the, the have and the have nots, yep. it tackled race in a big way as well, you know, the, you know, the, the black and white population of the city and you know what that meant to the older generation and what it means to the new generation you know because the stuff that the valve kind of said is pretty horrendous you know the old man he's still saying uh, pretty horrible stuff aye he, he pretty much leads to the fact he, in fact he does say it that they run the town essentially uh, and things will never be sorted no matter what aye, they do he doesn't want it because he believes the white class are better than the, yeah. the, the black and he said what he says I will not lose this town because you just have too many children. That's yeah. people say the weight of numbers will make them win through. And it's like, oh, that's a really horrible thing to say. Yeah. Um, but also, in, in that world, it, it tackles the idea, which is something we don't talk about much right now because we all say it's okay and it absolutely is okay, but people still have a hang about it because it's, it's ethnic marriage. Mm. You know, it, it actually does discuss that, that even within an ethnic marriage, because Liam Neeson's married to the Royal Davis in it, yes. even she still feels like people don't like me because I married a white man. Yeah. And people don't like you because you're married to a black woman. Yeah, yeah. And it's, much, it's not like it was in the 1950s where people were like, you know, that's absolutely not going to happen. But people, there are some people out there who will have a hang up on the idea of, you know, of that kind of relationship. Yeah. And the fact that it tackles that in a quite a real way, we felt, I thought, was really interesting. No, that was, yeah, that um, was a good point. Um, What's that? I can't. I'm, just another film that's out there now that's, I know it's set in modern times, but very relevant. About uh-huh. the time, it's the sexism as well. Because the whole point of the film is that no one believes even we can do this film. Yeah, this thing because they are three women, uh-huh. and that's that's almost into the heart of this of the entire culture right now. Like a woman can do anything she wants to, as long as she wants to do it. Yeah, which is important to obviously push through. Maybe they shouldn't go about killing people in robbing banks and robbing houses, but if they want to, god damn it, let them do it. Yeah, you know. So and it tackles that as well. The pace. I like the pace of it. I thought it worked well, but I think it's good to tell a lot of people. What do you think? Yes, uh, this might be a byproduct on us being a f- 
fraction late to the start, yeah. but we found the cab, the cab build-up of when they were trying to get the, like, the crew together. I found that very slow, but see, once they got to that point, mm. then I found it was perfect. Yeah, but I think I think you need the, the, the start to make it work. Yeah, well, like I said, that might be because we missed the first five right. minutes, so we I might have like, maybe not got the whole picture, so I was just coming in oh. and going like, what's going on here, Faisal? Right. You know. Right. So it did take a bit of time to build up, but um, I was, I'm actually okay with it. I thought all oh, the cast rates, and particularly the old deal, I thought was fantastic in it. The rest of the cast also very good because they're all great actors. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I think it's absolutely worth seeing. What do you give it out of ten? I'm going seven and a half. I'm going to go eight. Cut <laughs> up, cut up. I really dug it. I thought it was a cracking film. Really yeah, enjoyed yeah. it. Really embraced it. Yeah. I yeah. think the pace will put people off a little bit. I think this is a. Not how they've redone the Oceans franchise yeah. with women. Yeah. I almost feel this is a better movie oh, because, yeah, absolutely, yeah. because it portrays women in a better light than the way Oceans are oh, yeah. remade Oceans movies absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Uh, but that's, that, was my, that was our busy cinema week uh, that was a very busy week six films <laughs> oh, oh, we, we pushed through it um, <laughs> next week out we have not as much as next week <laughs> nothing <laughs> we've got The Grinch yes which I'm intrigued by I'm, in, I'm intrigued only because I'm such a big fan of the uh, director Scott Mosier. Yes. That, I, think that's, I think that's what makes me and you both interested. We have, I think, see, if it wasn't him attached to it, I probably couldn't give two fucks about yeah, it. I'm with you. And people don't know, Scott Mosier is Kevin Smith's producer, also acting buddy and friend. And probably for the last about 13 years, yeah. we've been listening to Smodcast, but you get to know Scott Mosier as yes. one of the funniest fuckers I've had in my life. Yes. And one of the most reserved funny fuckers. But, yeah, but you can, he'll just say something and just nail you to the wall. Yeah, yeah. And the idea that he's, he's worked Probably with Kevin Smith, he's done his own stuff, he's done anime, and now he's getting his chance to be to do this massive film. Yeah, yeah. I think it sounds really dumb, but I'm genuinely really proud of the fact he's doing it. Yeah, yeah. It feels like we do know the guy because we have been so invested in his life for uh, so long. <laughs> that is the beauty of like podcasts and stuff. You do end up getting to know these people yeah. on an intimate level. Oh. And I, like you said, like 13 years. Aye. You know, he's been a stable person. Aye. You know, yeah, but I like the not so much recently, but there was a point from about 10 years I fell asleep every single night listening to yeah. Kevin Smith and Scott Moser talking. Nice. So I know I, I know who Scott Moser is, I think, in my life. So yeah. I'm really excited to see him do something like this. So cool. I'm really excited to go see it. I'm really hopeful that both by, by going to see it. Cool. Uh, we also have a film called Wildlife, okay. which looks an interesting sort of like um, sort of slice of life, you know, indie film, written by Paul Dano. Okay. He's like a very interesting actor, so it's interesting what he does there. Um, you've also got on Netflix a film called Outlaw King, yes. the real story of Robert the Bruce, nice. which we're all, as Patrick and Scotsman, we're all very excited to see. <laughs> um, and also on BBC Two on Sunday night, which I think everyone should watch, a film called They Shall Not Grow, which is a Peter Jackson documentary all about World War One. Everybody digitised and recolorised um, all the, the old footage and brought review life into it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's. This last one does sound very intriguing to me. Yeah, it's, so. I think it's going to be one of those. Um, it'll be like that uh, Vincent movie where a lot of like time and efforts went yes. into it, and it will come across in the I screen. I think so. Well. You'll see. You'll know exactly what this film has been. Ah. Um, but yeah, so that's it for next week. Yeah. Um, Barry, tell people what you find us. All the usual haunts: Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, three beers in a movie. That's great. Um, so for this week, I've been Richard. You've been Barry, and we have been. Three beers in a movie.